I'm Alex Rybczynski. I'm Angie Czech. I'm Barbara Stewart. I'm Ben Joseph Stewart. I'm Bliss Young. I'm Marin Green. I'm Natasha Kingsbury. I am Dr. Jacob Egbert. I'm Sarah Gustafson. I'm Valerie Jacobson. And this is the Holistic OBGYN Podcast. My guest today on episode 49 of the Holistic OBGYN Podcast is the beautiful Jessie Golden of goldensecrets.com. She has an outstanding skincare line and cares as much about human health and women's health uh, as she does the health of the planet and the soil. And the way that she practices and operates her business is a reflection of that. So she and I connected on Instagram and became quick friends. She sent me some products and I loved them. Love, love, love them. And so I said, hey, you've got your own health journey. Do you want to share some of that story? You know, if you see her on Instagram, it seems like she lives that picturesque life. But she also, just as anybody, is constantly working on improving her health and the health of her family. She gets a little vulnerable on this podcast and talks about her journeys in fertility and journeys through childbirth and running a business and doing all of this in a way that I think most of us can admire. So I brought Jessie onto the show. We're going to talk about a lot of those things. If you're interested in trying her products, there will be a unique affiliate code that we present in the show notes. You can check out her product line there. You can also find her on Instagram. We'll include all of those links on the show notes, which can be found at holisticobgynpod.com. I should also mention nothing you hear on the show is medical advice. It's merely informational and it's entertainment at its very finest. We've got a niche audience, but we have a very supportive audience. So if you're liking our show, please go to iTunes, leave us a five-star review. It really helps other people find us, helps us rise in the rankings. We want to be the best of the best in providing this information for a niche audience, which I hope will not be so niche any longer. I hope that this wave of gratitude for people like me and many other birth workers and healthcare professionals stepping out of the system and rewarding those those providers with with growing practices and greater exposure in the world to let everybody know that we all see the conventional model is falling. It's failing. It is good for acute care. It's good for keeping people alive longer, but it has very, very little to do with improving our health span and our overall well-being. So thank you, thank you, thank you for supporting the show. I've got nothing more right now. Without further ado, here is my conversation with my dear friend, Jesse Golden. Jesse Golden, thanks for coming on the show. It's really a privilege to have you because I don't actually get to talk to a lot of women who've who've emerged through their own healing journey in a space where now you're also caring for women from a beauty and a, and a mindset standpoint. So we're going to get into all that juicy stuff today. But so first off, welcome. Thank you for coming. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so honored. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. I'm honored. I'm honored anybody, anytime anybody comes on here and is willing to share something with my audience. Um, I'm always, I feel like it, it's, it's such a privilege to be able to do this. So um, I mean that when I say thank you. So we were talking a little bit before we started recording, Jesse, you have this incredible skincare line and um, you're a holistic life coach. Uh, you, 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 you care for the planet, you care for people, you've got this beautiful family. I think what I'd like to start off with is how did you 
get to you know the age of 43. Talk, walk me through maybe your 20s and 30s and your own healing journey and how you now bring that into the space. Yeah. I always kind of considered myself to be very um, healthy and into holistic health since I was a kid. I was fascinated with um, all kinds of alternative ways of living. And I actually became a vegan at the age of 11. I'm, I'm no longer vegan or vegetarian. I just want to preface that. But this was during <laughs> this was during a time, you know, in the 80s, I grew up in the Midwest. I, my grandmother literally said I was going to die if I didn't eat meat. But I just, I was very aware without really ha having like a foundation to be aware. I started realizing I'm, I was eating animals, you know, and, yeah. and I just didn't like the way that made me feel. So I felt like I was always kind of doing things a little bit differently than others. And I grew up as a ballerina. I considered myself to be this epitome of health, very strong. I could kind of just push through anything. And in my 20s, um, I was actually making a living as a model. I made a living as a model my entire life, basically. But I was practicing yoga. Yoga really became a, a part of who I was, which kind of bled into everything that I was doing. And then when I was 25, I unexpectedly got pregnant. <laughs> wow. And that's actually the moment that I, I, I tell people, like, I became, I like came into my own when I became a mom. Oh, Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I feel like, you know, pre-motherhood, that was hot mess, Jesse. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, it's like I was gifted with this, you know, the most amazing, you know, human on the planet and, and, and motherhood. And it just all of a sudden my, my life just became so focused and I learned self-love through the process. I learned about uh, the type of person that I wanted to be. Everything expanded. I got purpose. Everything in my life just got better and brighter. It wasn't an easy journey because uh, it was an unexpected pregnancy. So although my son's father was on board, I don't think he knew what that really entailed. Hmm. So he didn't really do a good job. Yeah. Yeah. And I ended up having to do it all on my own. So it was definitely a lot. Being a single mother, working full time. I was breastfeeding and I kind of always had a reason or an excuse as to why I felt tired as many mothers do. But little did I know that I was, I was actually, I had rheumatoid arthritis. I had this undiagnosed wow. prognosis that was going on for, I feel like much longer. I went from doctor to doctor and finally got diagnosed at 29. It was really the beginning of of my journey to heal. You know, I feel like, yes, I'm a holistic health practitioner. I be I became a holistic health practitioner because of this journey, but I feel I feel like one of the greatest ways of learning about the human body and the human spirit is to go through it yourself. And yeah. I and having rheumatoid arthritis has been my greatest teacher. It still is. I still have it. I say I'm thriving despite it. It's still there, lingering. It's it keeps me on my toes. You know, my entire life I've noticed, I mean, I'm only 43, but I've kind of noticed this common thread in my entire life and everything that I do and it's purpose and there's got to be something bigger and better and like there has to be a connection to everything that I'm doing, whether it's like spirituality or nature or just making the world a better place. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. Like if I can just do that, if I can just smile at a human walking down the street, or if 
fits through my products and brightening their, you know, their life up a little bit, whatever it is. Like, I feel like that's kind of my mission is to just, um, share some of the challenging experiences that I've gone through in my life and show that through those experiences are the actual opportunities to grow more light. And, um, that's just kind of how I've always chose to look at things. And I love being able to share that with other people. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's, gosh, we could take that converse that what you just said in so many different directions. First off, this sort of embodiment of motherhood is more than a medical procedure, which is the way that we see it in the conventional model. Like, Hey, you have this growing organ system, you go, the organ system, you know, passes through the vagina and you go back now to being messy Jesse, right? Like that's kind of the way it's portrayed on TV (laughs) is like, Oh, now you have this little kid in your life and it gets in the way for people that put intention into everything they do. And clearly you're somebody who does that. It's more than that. And, and I talk, I mean, you know, you know a little bit about me, which is really um, trying to emphasize the spiritual and the more subtle sort of energy, energetics at play when we're, when we're attending childbirth as doctors, but it goes even beyond that, right? We all, we all think about the day that the baby comes as the big day. Well, really the work is integrating this baby into your life and trying to find some semblance and balance thereafter. And it's more than just sleep. It's also the, like, now that we have this little person that we're caring for, I mean, I'm a dad, we, we, we just had our second baby 10 weeks ago at home and, and the transformation that takes place. Thank you. <laughs> um, <laughs> the transformation that takes place is, is profound, you know, and it doesn't matter if you have one kid or 10 kids, this is, something very, very energetically important that we talk about. So that's the first thing that came to mind. The other thing is that, as you've been saying, every health coach, doctor, naturopath, chiropractor, whatever, the best healers out there are people who have had to go through a healing journey themselves. And that's not to say you can't be good at what you do if you don't have that. But gosh, does it inform and and, and allow you to empathize with people who are struggling with autoimmune conditions like rheumatoid arthritis or um, women caring for women. Like I know what it's like to give birth, not me. I'm let's say my wife, (laughs) I don't know what it's it's like to go through birth, but my wife is such a great co-pilot and a companion for women because it's like, listen, I've been there and it is scary. It's hard. It's painful. It's ecstatic. It's perhaps rapturous, but it still requires a lot of work. And so if we're not able to recognize ourselves as mortal, perhaps imperfect in the sort of measurable objectifiable things in our life, then we're, I don't know, I feel like we're a little bit less able to show up for people in that way and to kind of hold space for their healing journey. So one thing I really love about the way you even describe your product line on your website is that it's the reason that you are beautiful or that anybody is beautiful is not just because of the stuff you're putting in your mouth or the amount of sleep you're getting or the amount of movement you're doing as a ballerina or even the quality of ingredients in your skincare products or your shampoos or anything else. It's, it's also a matter of, of mindset around beauty and around who you are and, and what, you're, what you're doing here. Like, what is your purpose here? So in your, in, in your you know, you've, you've described your healing journey. You've described some of your birth experiences. What was it for you that allowed you to, to, to sort of take that next step towards like, like what was it that, that inspired you to take the step into skincare when you have all this other stuff that you've, you've survived over the past 20 years as a human being does, you know, it's every day is a, a bit of a struggle. What was it? What was it that really, um, 
imparted the wisdom to you, you know, um, that like, Hey, this is, this is where I'm going to show up for women. I'm going to teach them about skincare and I'm going to teach them about mindset. Yeah. I actually had no intention at all to be the owner of a skincare line. When I, um, shortly after my son was born, I felt like there was a, you know, there was social media, there was MySpace, and, and I had a I blog called MySpace. The Golden Secrets. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was actually getting like emails. I don't know how people were getting my emails, but I was a little bit in the public eye because of modeling and, and, and people liked seeing this story of me. I was, I was sharing a lot with um, my son and, and just the way I chose to give birth at home and, and all of that stuff, which was not talked about as much back then. And so I started sharing all this kind of stuff on my blog and it started to just be a place where I could share and empower people Mm. because just to kind of go back and I feel like this is so in, in your court. When I went through motherhood, it was the first time that I really saw Western medicine, not in a good light. Mm. It was the first time in my life where I just, I was 26. I was healthy. I had no rheumatoid arthritis. I was the epitome of health. I felt strong in my body. And I felt like every appointment was so fear-based and it was so disempowering. And had I not had a strong mother who was more into natural uh, a way and just was like, you were born to do this, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. don't, don't be, yeah. don't get scared. And 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 I had a big support group with um, Kundalini Yoga. I was going to Kalsi Yoga with Gurmukh weekly, and I was surrounded by women that were empowering me. Had I not had that support, I don't know what path I would have taken. I think it would have been a really challenging uphill battle. And so when I gave birth, and it was like the most miraculous moment of my life and the whole experience, I started sharing that. I was getting all these messages of like, oh my gosh, I've never seen motherhood portrayed in this way. You know, it was always the, you know, poor me, I'm a single mother and this is a horrible thing and my life is gone. (laughs) And my experience was like, oh my gosh, like I came into my own and I loved my body. I gained 65 pounds and I gave birth at home and I ate my placenta. And, and then I just, you know, I didn't, all I needed was a diaper and a boob and I could take them anywhere and traveled (laughs) and we went to restaurants and like my life just got better. And I was sharing this different dialogue that was not being shared. And I felt like I was empowering women and that felt really good. And then that kind of just started to bleed into all aspects of my life. Like, okay, let me talk about yoga now. And let me talk about modeling because I've been modeling my whole life and I've seen all the behind the scenes and all the BS with the marketing and all this. And let me shed some light on that. And let me shed light on anything that has empowered or inspired or enriched my life in any way. And I have been making my own skincare products since high school. No kidding. Yeah. And I had this one, the one product, which I originally started with was called the signature blend. People have been complimenting me on this scent since high school. And it was my sacred blend. I never told anybody what it was. It was like this secret little thing for myself. And after years of sharing blogs on my golden secrets and people asking me, a friend of mine who I really admire in business said, why don't you bottle that stuff that everyone is asking you about? You know, every time we would go out, he would even hear people, what are you wearing? What's that scent? I thought it was the craziest thing in the world. I I thought at first I got very protective. I was like, I don't want 
to share this. And then I thought that was odd that that I felt that, you know, I was like, (laughs) this is kind of weird that I felt that. But, but then when I really thought about it, I thought, you know what, as ridiculous as, as it is, this little organic synergistic blend has been with me all these years. And it's that tool that I pull out of my purse in the middle of the day. And it's, it's the connection to myself. It's, it's that moment to myself when I pull it out and I put it on and I check in with myself. And, and I thought if I could make it go beyond the skin, literally, and make it a deeper moment and actually have the product be the tool to do the work, then maybe I could do this. And so right from the beginning, it was really important for me to not just have it be another product. Yeah. It almost sounds like Pavlovian. It's it's like, uh, you know, everybody talks about, uh, I'm going to throw my mom under the bus here a little bit. When she remarried after my father passed away, she met this man who's very spiritually uh, sort of um, engaged. And my mom has never been very much like that. And um, now she's trying to start meditating and she treats it or like her qigong or whatever she treats it as like another item on the checklist of like the thing i have to do which kind of misses so the cute. point you know it's it's super <laughs> yeah. cute don't, don't it's very endearing yeah but it's like mom you know she's in her almost 70 now and it's like mom why don't you not think about this as the thing you have to do why not let this be the ritual that is a reminder to check in with yourself. You could do Tai Chi for five minutes, but if you're doing five minutes of just really just showing some self-gratitude and self-love and sitting there and being okay with not doing something, what if that was your cue? Like, okay, at two o'clock, this is my time to check in. I mean, the, the mental health uh, advantage of doing that is it runs so deep. It it's kind of sounds to me like that's what your scent is for you. It's, it's Pavlovian. It's like, as soon as you smell that, it's like a reminder, Jesse, check in center feet on the ground like you are here and you're you're good <laughs> yeah and, and scent is so powerful out yeah. of all the scent you know out of all yeah. the um what am i trying to say <laughs> out of the, all the yeah. senses all the senses yeah. yeah uh it just can bring a flood of memories and and just re- literally root you into your body and and um yeah that's kind of where it all began yeah i right love on. that i love that though yeah. Well, now I have to get my wife a bottle of that signature blend. <laughs> See what all the rage is about in the blogging blogosphere. Um, well, Jesse, you're you're 43 now. I know that you have two children. Is that right? I have one. You have one child. And two dogs. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. <laughs> one human. One yeah, human. He's and 17 two, uh, now. <laughs> my wife. Uh, when we had kids, she realized, like, she started seeing all the memes online because everybody's always listening. So, like, all the stuff starts popping up on your Facebook and whatever. Right. People always say, I've got two fur babies. And somebody else made this strange comparison. Like, we don't call our kids skin pets. So, why do we call our, our dogs fur babies? That's that, horrible. That's so <laughs> weird. So, like, Hannibal Lecter, my, my skin, I have two skin pets and one fur baby. <laughs> yeah. So you're you and your um and your partner now your husband you guys are I, I don't know if he's your husband but your your husband yep your husband you guys are also thinking about having another baby and I know that you're on that journey um you and I talked a little bit about vaginal steaming as we were exchanging some ideas as to how to you know continue on, on that process of of getting pregnant and I was intrigued by that because you said you'd been vaginal steaming for years 
tell me about how you came across <laughs> vaginal steaming or what's actually now known as pelvic steaming because also men can can actually get quite a benefit from it as well or yoni steaming or yoni steaming yeah yeah so tell me a little bit about your about the steaming practice if you if you if you're open to that um, how did you hear about yeah. it and yeah how, where has that taken you well i think that's one of the bonuses of having a chronic disease is you're constantly on the hunt for what can I try? What can I do? So over the last 15 years, you name it, I've tried it. And if it worked, I've done it multiple times. And I think that was just one of those things that came across my path. I think originally um, through a Korean spa. Yeah. Girlfriends, uh, me and my two best friends would go like once a month and do the Yoni steam. There's also this other thing I used to do quite a bit, which is a little bit different, but daikon hip bath, which is basically like daikon root and you just boil it and you put it in a bath um, up to your hips to kind of essentially do the same thing. But leading up to, you know, when I got pregnant with my son, it was unexpectedly. I was in my 20s. I was partying and drinking and I had no intention on having a child, which is crazy. And luckily he ended up being, you know, healthy pregnancy and he was eight pounds and everything was great. And when my husband and I said, you know what, let's start trying. Obviously I was like, oh my gosh, like this is going to be a totally different ball game. I'm in my forties now. I don't know what to expect. I've never tried to get pregnant. Yeah, yeah. Like I've never, I've never <laughs> been like, okay, so how do we start trying? You know? Well, even when you were 26, like you'd spent your whole life avoiding pregnancy at all costs. Not trying. Yeah. Like let's not get pregnant. Yeah, and now you're suddenly <laughs> yeah. supposed to be like excited about it, which, which you sh of course were, but, but man, it's it fast forward almost 20 years and it's a very, very different different uh a different ball game when you're when you're now like inviting it in versus holy crap yeah. this is something that is real and we're going to do it and we're going to be happy about it but man what what a different um mindset and it just goes to show you because and I'll talk a little bit about this in my experience right now but if a baby's going to come a baby's going to come right no matter what you're doing in your life what you're not doing in your life like spiritually speaking when the timing is right the baby's going to come yeah. and when I was 26, 25, 26, it's like my son was like, I'm coming in, you know, irregardless. So, but when my husband and I were like, let's start trying consciously, like knowing what I know now, I was like, I'm going to start detoxing. And I did six months of detoxing before we even started trying. I had just actually gone through some hand surgeries. And I had to take some, you know, they put me under, I had to do antibiotics, all these things that I don't like doing. Oh, so yeah. I also wanted to yeah. just like clean, clean my system out. So I was doing a lot of saunaing and just taking herbs and just kind of cleaning my whole system out, my liver, um, before we even started trying. And I consider myself lucky. We're not pregnant, <laughs> but we did get pregnant twice very quick, which I was shocked at my age, but they didn't stay. Mm -hmm. So then we kind of decided to go down this IVF journey, which, you know, it's really interesting because I never thought in my life that I would ever choose that path. And looking back, I feel like mm, I made this decision out of a state of fear. There was like this perfect storm for me where I had two miscarriages back to back. And then my husband booked a job where he was going to Canada for six months and I kind of started panicking going, oh my gosh, 
that means we're not even going to be able to try until you get back. Hmm. And so, you know, if you have like, I only had two miscarriages, but they consider it multiple miscarriages. And because of my age, they wanted to do all these tests. So you know more about this than I do, but they checked everything. <laughs> Give me like that a they million could, dollar workup. You know, yeah. Yeah. Just to make sure that they're not missing something. And um, one of the things that my doctor said was no matter how, even if you like my, your progesterone levels were low, which they're not, you could take progesterone, you could do all the things, but if it's egg quality, you know, then it's just not going to take, you know, right. which in that way, it's like, you know, my body, I bless my body that it's kind of doing what it's supposed to do in a, in a, in a crazy way, even though it, it could be very painful. Yeah. So now my husband's back in town. <laughs> he just got back and I'm kind of at this place where I'm like, honey, let's just, let's just go back to the natural way for now. I needed to take a break. I think IVF is amazing. And I think that it has been amazing for a lot of people, but the brief experience that I've had with it was really, really tough on my body. Yeah. Really, yeah. really, yeah. really emotionally and, and the hormones. And, um, I learned so much about the whole process, but they even have you take birth control to suppress the system before you do retrievals and things like that. The birth control really messed up, messed, messed me up. It was just tough. And, and I, so we're taking a step back from that right now. It's been such a learning process and I have so much more compassion and sympathy for people that have gone through, you know, fertility issues yeah. or not. It, it's a, it's a tough road. It really is. And it's crazy because it's really hard to learn about the options and the process unless you go through it. So you've heard me talk about WaveBlock time and time again. They've stayed on as a sponsor and we are so grateful to have them. We can't do this show without great sponsors like WaveBlock. What WaveBlock does is they create these stickers that block the low-dose radiation from your earbuds, which remember are millimeters from your brain, your precious brain. Protect that brain. Protect the brain and nervous system of your kids, especially if you're breastfeeding, you're holding your phone inches from your baby's head. Protect their brain. Get a pair of stickers for your earbuds. Get a pair of stickers or a sticker for the back of your cell phone and block more of that radiation than any other product in the market. And Ben Salem, the owner, he has all of the lab reports to back that statement up. These devices work better than anything else on the market to block EMF. If you use biogeometry or harmonizing devices, this is a perfect complement. We need to be very considerate of the downstream consequences of EMF as we further electrify and connect the world. So go to waveblock.com, use code BELOVED25, and you'll save a whopping 25% off your purchase. Go do it now. Just go do it right now. Pause the podcast. Go do it now. And then when you come back, we'll be rejoined by my guest, Jesse Golden. Yeah, even as a doctor, I don't know if I really fully appreciated the IVF journey. Um, because like you said, or like we were saying before, until you feel like you're ready to have kids, you're like cool with not ha being pregnant. You're like, oh, I'm doing everything right. <laughs> yeah. I'm not getting pregnant. I'm yeah. doing it right. <laughs> Um, and then, yeah. you know, we're, we're taught from like the age of 15, if your penis comes near a woman, you're going to have a baby and you know, you don't <laughs> yeah, want that. Exactly. So when, when my wife started and I started trying, I mean, it wasn't so much 
trying as much as it was, Stephanie had an IUD and she had it removed and we were going to go for it now. And if it happens, it happens, that type of thing. But like two months in, we weren't able to get pregnant. I mean, we hadn't gotten pregnant yet, but not remembering like even everything I learned in, in my, my training, which is like, you know, for even a young, a a young, super young, healthy woman, like 20% of the time is, is the the fecundity rate, meaning the, the likelihood that on a cycle, if there's quality sperm there, that that egg will be fertilized. That's like nature's way of balancing things out. And uh, like after two months we hadn't gotten pregnant. So I was already like, Oh my gosh, I guess we have to start talking about IUI and IVF and all these other things. And Stephanie was like, hold on, why don't you stop? Why don't you take a chill pill, take a whole bottle actually. And, uh, maybe lose the bike shorts. I was a big triathlete and whatnot back in the day. And she was like, lose the bike shorts. <laughs> I love like, it. Let's bump up the sperm a little, you know, like get them, get all those swimmers going in the right direction. And sure enough, like after she had been checking cervical mucus and this and that, like we got pregnant right away. But I will say that it hadn't even occurred to me to consider the gravity of what we're asking a partnership to go through when we just kind of flippantly say, oh, you can just do go do IVF, right? Like as soon as I even started uh, the machination of that, that process <clears throat> started bouncing around in my head and my heart, my wife and I immediately were like, I don't think we want to do that. Like it just sounds like it might actually be like, yes, you get a baby, but at what cost? It's not to say it's not the right thing, but for us, it wasn't the right thing. And it sounds like for you and your husband, at least for right now, maybe that's not the path because like you said, you know, we're pumping you full of hormones. We're asking, we're demanding a lot of your body when maybe for whatever reason, whether it's something more subtle, it's something spiritual, that baby's just not ready to come. Why force things? Why force things to happen uh, at the cost of perhaps even your own health? Did you feel that your health started, you know, I don't know, did you end up feeling like you were in a state of disrepair when you were in that process of IVF? Gosh, I... I mean, there's so much that I learned through this whole process, but to answer your question, my mental health scared me. Oh, wow. And even though I knew logically that it was the birth control and the hormones, but just to give you an idea, like my disposition is very happy and bright. I am the most optimistic person in the room, especially when everything's going wrong. It's in your last name. Jesse. <laughs> yeah, that's just like that's just how I am. And and I noticed that as I started taking this medication, it was a little doom gloom. Mm. I was feeling a little gloomy, but I was conscious. I knew that that could be a side effect just for myself just because I know I have a sensitive disposition. Yeah, so yeah. I was like, I don't I don't know what I'm going to do on this stuff cuz like I took birth control when I was young, uh, gosh, probably 16 to 20 and when I stopped birth control, it was like a veil had been lifted. Wow. I was like, oh my gosh, this is why I felt this way all these years. I had no idea that it was caused from the birth control. So I kind of had an idea and I just kept tr- trucking away as I was doing the IVF. I was like, I only have to do this for a couple of weeks. I'll get through it. But it ends up being a longer process because I did one retrieval and, my, and I only got uh, I can't remember now. I think it was one viable embryo because the the cool thing about what they can do now and what encouraged me was they couldn't find anything else wrong. So they said, it's probably just egg quality, which just you have no control over. It just diminishes with age, but we can test the embryos and that way when we put it back in you, we know it's a viable embryo. So I thought, okay, that that sounds good. 
So we only got one viable embryo. And then my doctor said, you're able to get eggs. So why don't we try and do another retrieval? So I did another retrieval. And it's like the second time was even harder for me to bounce back from. Hmm. And they also want you to do antibiotics and all these other things. And I, I got him to actually help. I was like, I can't do antibiotics again. I'm not doing yeah. this again. I was like, yeah. I was kind of changing the plan. Like, you know, I, I was kind of a difficult patient, but I just felt like it got harder and harder as time went on. Plus my husband was gone. So I was going through it myself mm. and it was just a lot more on my body mentally than I had ever anticipated. And it wasn't because of the roller coaster of the actual journey of the IVF process, but because of the hormones affecting me so much. And I I just don't do well with any kind of disruption. Like I just don't do well, you know, with taking any kind of medication, to be honest with you. I know that about my constitution now, but you know, some people can, are fine. Some people do, do really well with it and don't notice a difference. So I think it's different for everybody. Yeah, when we're talking about hormones, so the way that the endocrine system works, which is the system of your hormones, for anybody listening who doesn't know this, is that you know the brain releases a chemical to the pituitary. The pituitary releases a chemical to your different organs that secrete different hormones, including your thyroid, your adrenals, your ovaries, whatever, um, your bone marrow. And when you have too much, let's say too much thyroid hormone, it feeds back to the brain and says, stop producing the stuff that's telling the pituitary to produce the stuff that's telling the thyroid to produce the stuff. So if you're taking external or exogenous thyroid hormone, you actually get a feedback to the brain, which tells the brain to stop producing a bunch of things. And it's not just the brain's like, oh, it's, oh, it's just the thyroid hormone. Hey, Larry, stop giving the thyroid releasing hormone. Like you get this whole cascade of issues within the endocrine system when you start trying to mess with one of those hormones, this, this delicate ballet of how the hormones interact with one another for us to feel our best and perform our best is really, really tricky to try to mimic in a, you know, in a natural way using synthetic or exogenous hormones. So it's no surprise to me that women, you know, like you said, ages 16 to 20, most, most young girls are taking some sort of birth control. And I think that that number is going down now as people are sort of waking up to this, the like, ugh, maybe this isn't the best thing to do for young girls. But that's a part of my platform because even my wife had this similar experience, 15 to roughly 15, 14 or 15, maybe up to like age 19. She was on birth control and she said the same thing. Like her hair came back, her, her vitality came back, the veil was lifted. And I can't imagine yeah. when you're in the IVF process, we're going like birth control times 10. Like this is a ton. You're bombarding your system with hormones. So it's no surprise to me that, that you felt that way. And fortunately it sounds like you've bounced back, but some people go through like 10 rounds of this and I just can't imagine how that must feel for them (laughs) and, and how you rebound from something like that. You know what? I joined an IVF Facebook group. These women are, are like doctors in IVF at this point. I mean, some of these women have gone through it so many times. I mean, they're basically speaking in code. They know like everything about mm. everything. And it's crazy, um, that whole process. But I had no idea. <laughs> it's kind of interesting. It's 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 a tough lesson because I feel like I should have known, but I was so desperate to you know, I, I was, I was coming from a place of fear when I was like, let's just try it. Cause my yeah. husband was going to be gone and I didn't want to wait. 
but I should have known because everything in my life that I've done where I flow, where I've gone with the natural rhythm of my cycle and my life, like even with the women's menstrual cycle, it's like, I try and sync it with the moon. Like I'm always regular. Like I love my menstrual cycle. I mean, that's, I think that's a whole nother topic. I think there's this, been this portrayal of like, it's this horrible time to like have cramps and, mm. and have, you know, and, and it's like, no, it's like such a beautiful time to like embrace yourself and connect with other women. And I mean, I grew up with my mom and my sister and we, our cycles were always synced. I just think that's the coolest thing ever. It's so, so poetic in so many ways. Yeah. Yeah. And, and exactly like what you were saying with IVF, it's, it's, be, they are trying to, what they're trying to do is take control of your cycle so that they can schedule your appointment. Right. That's basically what they're doing. They're overriding your cycle so that they can control everything and know when you can, you need to come in. Yeah. And yeah. my, my body was not having it, to be honest with you. My body was, my body decided to ovulate anyways and it do its own thing. I mean, it was kind of like, screw you. <laughs> the, the moon has other plans for me, doc. I'm sorry. <laughs> Yeah, it was, it was like, it was, you know, it was kind of crazy. So it was a tough lesson for me, but we still have two embryos on ice. So we'll see. But right now we're just kind of going with the natural flow of things. It took me this whole cycle though, to get to this place. And I think with anybody, any woman that is going through wanting to try and have a baby, you kind of go through these phases, like, what can I do to empower myself? Let, let's, you know, start with the diet. Let's do the detox. Let's do some yoni steaming. Let me go to acupuncture. Yeah. Like, let me do all the things that are in my power, in my control. Let's get rid of the husband's bicycle shorts. Let's like <laughs> him up a little bit. Like, let's do whatever we can. Yeah. But there does come a time where it can become excessive and you're doing too much. Yeah. And, and that's kind of where now we're at the place where we're like, this baby's going to come when it's going to come and if it's supposed to come. Yeah. And let's just let's just get back to love and let's just get back to having love on my ovul- when I'm ovulating <laughs> and see what happens. You know, and not be so worried about it. And you know, cuz I think just women in general birthing is really about going with the flow and being open to receive. Yeah. And I IVF to me felt very masculine, not in a bad way, but very masculine and very took the words out of my mouth. Robotic. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, very con- I was trying to control. It was like I had a schedule, you know, talk about a schedule. It was like everything was there was no flow to, the to it at all. Yeah. Yes, I, and I've talked to so many women who are in this position and a big piece of the advice is like we just have to put on the brakes. Like we don't have control over this. We, in our society, we love saying that we have control over everything. It's this reductive sort of automobile metaphor that we have of anybody's body, especially the woman's body, where you have this part and this part and this part. And if we polish that part up and pop it back in, it's going to work like new. Well, it's, it's not that simple. There's our need to control every facet of everything, including even our reproductive cycle, it comes with a cost. It comes with a, an emotional, a mental, a causal cost. And, um, and and that's not to say like, I know that that can be construed in a funny way coming from a man. So this is me to everybody because I kind of feel like you and I, we kind of get each other. 
it's more like, I can't tell you how many people I've had come into the fertility clinic. They have a hard time getting pregnant. And just by virtue of them having a consultation with an infertility specialist, they go home and they've now, the, the problem is not mine anymore. And now it, it just kind of happens because they've let go of some of that control over the uncontrollable. And, and I'll also add that you kind of were getting into this a little bit is from like the, the standpoint of the chakras. You were talking about Kundalini earlier. The first and second chakras are oftentimes backed up in our culture because the first level is this, the illusion of scarcity. It's the security. It's, do I have enough? Am I enough? It's all of that self-doubt, the self-question. Am I on the right path? Did I take the wrong turn? That's our first level. And then the second chakra kind of matches Maslow's hierarchy of needs now that I'm thinking about it. But the second chakra is your creative expression. It's the, have you been singing, dancing, playing? Have you been enjoying? Have you had a voice in your relationship? Have you had a voice in your life? How, what is that outlet for you? And sometimes like for me, it's like, let's stop with all the supplements. Let's stop with the hormones. When's the last time you painted? You know, when somebody's like, I, I used to love to paint and I, I don't do that because I'm too busy with work or whatever. And it's like, okay, so the illusion of scarcity on that first level has also inhibited you. And it turns out the second chakra is also related to your reproductive health. So I don't know if any of this is going to be helpful to you necessarily, Jesse, because you are very, very conscious and intentional in how you live your life. But it is something to be thoughtful about for anybody out there who's on this fertility journey is if we throw more medicine at a spiritual problem, and it's not really, and I say problem loosely because the fact that the baby hasn't come yet is not a problem. It's just not time. Right. Um, if we're going to throw more medicine and more you know, tools from our Western medical toolkit at this problem, that isn't necessarily a medical issue. Then are we necessarily going to get anywhere? I don't know. I'm, I'm often conflicted about that. Yeah. I mean, I have, I love what you're talking about the chakra system though, too. I mean, that was part of my practice before we started, like just with yoga, I was doing Nali Kriya, which is stomach churning and just really focusing on like mm. dancing and allowing my body to get circulation into that area, which is essentially what a lot of acupuncture helps do and wearing the colors that ignite those chakras with red and orange and being creative and all of those things that are so feminine, the dancing and the playing and, and, and creating, but saying that I think it's, I think it is to each their own. Like one of my best friends, you know, went through this process and had miraculous experience and results. And, you know, for me, for example, like, and your wife, like we chose to give, give birth at home. And some people would think that's insane and would never <laughs> even choose to do that. So, right. you know, I think everybody kind of has their idea of, of what works for them. And what's so fascinating to me is at 43, I'm still learning like huge lessons. Like I'm learning that the lessons never end. We just have to become better students. Yeah. And, through this whole journey of wanting to have another kid, it again has been so humbling and bringing me back to my spirit and just all these things that you're mentioning. Like, when is the last time I've had that thought? Like, when is the last time I've even, you know, painted or played or done something fun? And I, I think we forget about a lot of those things. And that's exactly why these experiences happen is to remind us of what life is really about. Yeah. Yeah. And when that baby's ready up there, Jesse, the space baby, <laughs> they're going to find you and you and your 
beautiful Viking husband are going to be parents again. <laughs> um, and if not, then that's okay too. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a journey and there's some lessons in there, no matter which road the universe takes us. So I appreciate you sharing so much. I know that that's a, it's a vulnerable thing to talk about and I appreciate you being an open book and using your platforms and whatnot to also talk about some of these things. I think it is very helpful for people to know that if you're struggling to get pregnant, for me anyways, it was like, it was like heart-wrenching because everybody was getting pregnant on Instagram. Everybody's showing their beautiful, perfect birth with their beautiful, perfect baby. And we weren't even trying and all this other stuff. And then mean, in the meantime, there's a lot of people who are like, gosh, I really want this so bad and I don't know where to go. And I don't want to go the path of just being pumped full of hormones, but maybe that's the only way because I don't have anybody to talk to about it. Um, people just don't talk about the challenges. They overemphasize the, the successes, but any successful person knows that for every one success, you had 99 failures and it's just the way it goes. So I appreciate you being vulnerable and sharing and giving people a little bit of um, perhaps encouragement, but also uh, some companionship in that. I think it's so important. You know, when I had my first miscarriage, I, which is something I never thought I would experience in my life, I immediately thought of three women that shared their experience of miscarriage with me. And I drawed from mm. their strength. And in that moment, I was like, someday I'm going to share this because this, hap this happens more often than not. And it needs to be talked about. So when it happens to other women, they don't feel so alone. And I think that goes the same with trying to have a baby. And, you know, what you just said re reminded me of something. I got goosebumps. I did an interview a couple of weeks ago and the woman was pregnant and she didn't know that I was going through IVF and doing all of these things. And later on, she messaged me and she said, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I was talking about my pregnancy the whole time. I had no idea that you were going through IVF and she felt bad. Mm. And it struck, it struck me like a, like a chord because I thought, oh my gosh, what a horrible feeling. Yeah. Like yeah. what a horrible experience. Like this woman feels like she can't be in her joy because she feels pity for me. And I said to her, Oh my gosh, no. Like I have the capacity to be happy. In fact, I feel like that's how you get things yeah. is by all, like I, there's so many babies around me right now. It's out of control. Like every friend of mine is having babies and I'm, I couldn't be more happy and ecstatic. And it's, it was the most, ex, you know, ex, amazing experience of my life. So I think having joy for the people is also part of the work is what mm. I'm saying. <laughs> Even <laughs> if you're not able to get pregnant right now or you're struggling, I think having the capacity for people that are doing it is part of the work. Yeah. It's it's okay, you know, you're going to have your turn and and you're living your own journey and and your story is different than others, but just having the capacity to be happy for people when they're going through their their amazing experience into parenthood is I feel like part of it. Okay, so most people know about collagen protein. It's been advertised for years as this sort of fountain of youth. But did you know that collagen can also support pregnancy and postpartum health? When you're pregnant, you need a minimum of 80 to 100 grams of protein a day to grow a healthy baby and placenta. 
Remember, all of the connective tissue in your body is made up of collagen. That includes your placenta, that includes the, the muscle fibers and the connective tissue of your uterus. All of that connective tissue in the pelvis and your spine and all of those joints get loosey-goosey during pregnancy and into the postpartum period, so you got to support it in every way that you can. Collagen is an optimal form of protein for pregnancy. It has the right amino acids to support skin stretching, to support the sort of um, stretchiness of your connective tissue, helps your pelvis, your belly, everything go back to normal, helps support your skin, and as the skin stretches with your belly growing. So all of these factors make collagen a really, really critical ingredient to your pregnancy and postpartum care. So this new company that I'm partnering with through the Holistic OBGYN podcast is called Needed, and they make my favorite collagen protein on the market for mamas. It's totally neutral tasting, has a great texture, and it's super easy to add to smoothies, coffee, oatmeal, yogurt, what have you, and even some savory foods like soups. My patients love Needed's collagen, and they see tremendous benefits. I love recommending this product in particular because it's sustainably sourced, it's totally unflavored, it has no additives. And if you want to try it out, you can go to thisisneeded.com and you can save a whopping 20% off your order using code BELOVED, B-E-L-O-V-E-D. That's thisisneeded.com, use code BELOVED, save yourself some money, save your skin, save your joints, and make life a little bit easier for you in pregnancy and beyond. Let's get back to the show. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a lesson for all of us. It's, it's the person who gives away the last of their belongings so that somebody else is not left without anything. You know, it's it's the same sort of idea that, like, the better we serve others, the, the better that we, you know, receive in return. And it seems like an abstract metaphor, but I think you're right. I think that we, as a culture, are somewhat siloed off from one another, especially these past two years. We've, we've lacked our community. And in some ways, we've, we've forgotten to celebrate the miracles, the the beautiful things in the world, you know, and when we were going through that process, my wife was, was befuddled by the fact that I was struggling with the idea that all of our friends were getting pregnant and we weren't. She was like, we've only been trying for a few months. Like, and I was like, <laughs> I wasn't being insane. I, I, I realized that in retrospect, but <laughs> like, how would that have improved our experience of getting pregnant? If I, instead of being like, oh, shucks, we, we, you know, I wish we could be like them instead of being like that, what if I had embraced it as like, wow, like there is so much life around me. Like, you know, it's going to be so great whenever we're in that position as well. It's, it's hard and it is an exercise, but there's work there. It's an exercise. Yeah. Yeah, There there is is work. There's an opportunity there for sure. I, I think it could go into all aspects, but it's something that I strive to do. And I think in those moments when you're able to do it, it really shows your true character. Yeah. That's right. That's the type of person that I want to be. And that's the type of person that I want my son to see, you know, hmm. and yeah, <laughs> I love it. I it's think so that beautiful. something my wife told me, this goes, I, you just jogged my memory. We were sitting on the couch, I remember, and I was like, I don't know, probably drinking too much wine because I was still in training and was having a hard time. And she was like, she like, she was like, look at me, like, we're not entitled to have children. Like to have a child is a gift. That is really, really hard to swallow if you're stuck in that in that rut. But just remember that this is a, a real gift. Like this is something that your body, yes, can and will likely do. But we have to remember that there's more at play here than just 
intercourse and a baby comes out, right? Like the health class stuff that we were just kind of crapping on before. It's not that simple. There's more at play here. And the more that you can relinquish the control and just be grateful. I saw a bumper sticker the other day, make America grateful again. And I thought that was really clever. Oh, I love that. Just to be more grateful with, for the possibility of supporting one another. And if we're gifted with a child, it is a gift. It's not an entitlement. And we should treat it as such, you know, especially those of us who are parents and we're like complaining about having to take care of our kids. Like, like this is the, the greatest thing that you can possibly do as an adult is to have seen a little baby go from that little slug in the carrier to this like beautiful little girl, like our, our two-year-old, she's starting to say, thank you, Dada. And it is like, oh gosh, <laughs> I didn't think it could get better, Jesse, because before she started saying Dada and I was like, oh my God. And now she's saying, like, I sat with her to paint the other day and she was saying, thank you, Dada, for sitting with her and painting. It's like, oh, oh my gosh, what else? I don't melt, need any money. Melt my heart. I know. I don't need anything ever again, as long as this little girl is here in my life, you know, and, uh, and that is a real treasure and a real gift. Well, we only have a few more minutes, Jesse. I want to make sure that you have some time. I, I could talk to you for a long time, it turns out. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Next time we're, we're, out, we're in LA, we'll, we'll, we'll take you guys out for dinner. Oh my gosh. I, yeah, I would, I, I'm, I'm like thinking, I'm like, I love your wife. Like everything that you're sharing that she says, I'm like, I think I would really like her. <laughs> She's amazing. Yeah, she, she gets along with people so much better than I do, if you can believe it. You know what? My husband's like that. I mean, I get along with people, but he's more of an extrovert and I'm more of an introvert. Yeah. Yeah. In- interestingly enough. That's the same for me and my wife. Yeah. My wife is oh, like really? silent in the corner and then she comes out with something that just like makes everybody swoon. And I'm like, ah, how do you do that? How do you do that? She's like, oh, I was just listening. I'm like, oh, I got to do more listening, I guess. <laughs> So, Jesse, we can always do more interviews together. I'm really curious uh, if if you could just share with everybody, how do they find you? If they don't know who you are, how do they find you on the Instagrams? How do they find your, your products? Um, just tell everybody. Uh, I'm most active on Instagram, Jesse Golden. And the Golden Secrets has its own page. And then the goldensecrets.com is where you can get all my skincare products. And I just created a new website, jessegolden.com where uh, it's more of a personal page where I can just share everything else that has enriched my life outside of my own skincare products. Yeah. Yeah. That I'm really excited about. I just launched it. So it's exciting. We'll see. Yeah. I, I have to go check it out. I don't know if I've seen your, your personal website yet. Uh, it's been a huge pleasure to get to know you a little bit better, Jesse. And I really wish you the best of luck on your journey. Uh, I think that your team linked me up with a discount coupon affiliate code. So we'll pop that in the show notes as well as all of your as the ways people can uh, can find you. And I just thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for having me. Such a pleasure. It was a real pleasure. It was lovely. It's so lovely. You know, even those of us who look and feel great, we are always working on things. And I, I think the humility that Jesse brings to these conversations is just so needed in this world. It's so needed. As a doctor, I was raised and born within a system as a medical trainee to never admit when I either don't have the answer or when I just simply needed help. You know, that was a sign of weakness. That was a sign of failure. And most of our world is operating under the premise that, hey, if you admit that you don't know or that you need help, that you must be too weak. You must not be cut out for this. 
And time and time again, I meet high achieving people who just are desperate for answers because they're they're interacting and engaging with other high, high achievers that don't want to admit that I just don't know, but I'm going to work on figuring this out for you. And I think Jesse lives by that principle of, hey, I don't have all the answers and I'm just doing my best. And I think that we can all use a little smack of humility in our life, especially as healthcare providers. So I feel very, very grateful to have had Jesse on the show. And I hope we can do a, a part two at some point, Jesse. If you want to find Jesse's work, you can go to thegoldensecrets.com. That's where you'll find her entire skincare lineup. There is a unique affiliate code that you'll find in the show notes um, that'll get you a beautiful little discount on your purchase. If you want to find Jesse on Instagram, she can be found at Jesse Golden. That's J E S S E G O L D E N. You can also find the Golden Secrets, as I just read it, on Instagram. Um, the content there is amazing. You can really, really get an idea as to, to what Jesse is bringing to the world. And it is full of love and joy and harmony. So please support her work and support our sponsors. Support waveblock.com. Support thisisneeded.com. Use the discount code. Try these things out. They're not silver bullets, but they are definitely important pieces if you want to live a low-toxin, fully nourished life on your healing journey. If you want to find me, I do have a private practice. It's a private association. You can find me at belovedholistics.com. I've got a newsletter. I have a collaborator program. If you're a doctor, midwife, doula, birth educator, Chinese medicine practitioner, chiropractor, you name it, you can sign up, subscribe through my collaborator program, and you can have a an MD consultant with specialties in severe life-limiting disease through my palliative care training or through a holistic OBGYN and birth care lens. I'd be happy to help you out in order to optimize the health of your of your clients. If you're a client, potential client seeking consultation, I also take one-on-one consultations through the website. If you're looking for the show notes, holisticobgynpod.com. You can also make a donation. Remember that we are a 501c3 providing education and information only. And hopefully it's entertaining too, like I mentioned, right? I hope you like this show. And if you do like it, go to iTunes, leave us a five-star review. It helps us rise in the rankings. It helps us continue to do what we love to do. And so I thank you. Until next time on the Holistic OBGYN Podcast, I am Nathan Riley, MD, fellow of ACOG, and um, I will see you next time. Take care.